0: Big Hall Talk, everybody. I'm Ethan Badowski and I don't care how many people make the Hall of Fame so long as the right ones do. We've got a very special episode for you today. I see it laughing there at the camera. Uh, We've got our first guest on the show who will be discussing their own Hall of Fame ballot. And I'm very excited about this one because this is the guy. He helped me get into this whole Hall of Fame thing. He started the Larry Walker uh, fanaticism himself. He introduced me to Larry. Uh, There is nobody I would want to be the first guest on Big Hall Talk more than this guy, one of my best friends in the world, and one of the only people I'll uh, reluctantly admit knows as much about sports as I do. Alex Reefman, welcome to Big Hall Talk. How are we doing today? I'm doing great, Ethan. I appreciate you having me on the show. <laughs> you know I'm excited. We've been planning this out for a while. We're not going to be able to stop laughing at each other the entire episode because we can't take each other seriously. <laughs> but let's try and um, avoid too much banter and just too much arsenal and get through to the rest of this episode. <laughs> and, okay. uh, let's, let's, let's get going. So the first thing I want to start on before we get into your actual ballot Give us your overall thoughts on the Hall of Fame. I know you're not a small Hall guy, but we kind of disagree on the parameters of the Hall of Fame. So would you say you're a big Hall guy or are you kind of somewhere in the middle? I'd say I'm more of like a medium
1: Hall guy because I believe like if you're one of the best players in the generation and like there's no red flags or anything, you should get in. Yeah. Like there are players who – multiple like mvps multiple like high Young finishes and they're not getting in the hall of fame and i i can't i can't
0: understand that okay so where are you on you know some of these issues in terms of guys not getting in obviously the big ones are bonds and clemens and Schilling in terms of steroids and you know character issues because there is the character clause in voting but i know that we kind of are lenient on that
1: yeah so i guess i'll address the character clause first because I think you and I both are on the same page about Kurt Schilling. He's I mean, he's a despicable person, honestly. Repulsive. Yeah. yeah he, he's a ter- he's a terrible guy. But, yeah. I mean, there are I mean, not that this makes it right, but there are terrible people in the Hall of Fame. There are racists, there are um, ab- abusive uh, husbands, you know, and yeah. just, people who have cheated in the past who have also gotten in. And while, like, these things obviously are, like, different levels, um, I feel like with Kurt Schilling, like, he was one of the best pitchers of his generation. Mm-hmm. And we have to look at, like – it's a baseball museum at the end of the day, and we have to look at the baseball aspect of Kurt Schilling.
0: You know, I think there, it's important to acknowledge um, the, that side of people. You know, maybe there should be something on their plaque – Barry Bonds is Black, if you really want to, when you let him in, if they do, if you want to acknowledge the fact that he was involved in the steroid, you know, in the steroid controversy. But I think that, like you said, there are levels and it's important to acknowledge that there are levels, but we've also moved forward in, you know, Ty Cobb. I don't know if Ty Cobb would make the Hall of Fame today because of his connections to the KKK. You know what I mean? So, yes, he made it way back whenever Ty Cobb made the Hall of Fame. I couldn't tell you the year. But I'm not sure he would make it today. So, He's a Palmer, so it doesn't matter. Really yeah, happen. exactly. There are all those guys back then, you know. But the, tr- the fact of the matter is we kind of have to evaluate it under today's world, which is why Schilling is even this close. But, yeah, yeah I think I agree with you that at the end of the day – he is. He he was on my ballot this year, and I would have to really sit down and think about whether I would take yeah. it off next year.
1: Yeah, Ethan, and I mean, you obviously make a really good point here because, like, if he didn't have these issues, he's first ballot, second ballot, third ballot, whatever. He's already in the Hall of Fame, and the discussion on uh, what kind of person he is in the past. I mean, he obviously brought all of this upon himself, and I mean, this is the price you pay for being a bad person.
0: So. No. And I mean, and I think the acknowledgement that he brought this upon himself is something that we all need to acknowledge. And you know, mm-hmm. Kurt filling Kurt Schilling kind of wants us to feel bad for him, and he, you know, he did he did what you said, and he kind of I'm not you're not doing the same thing here where it's you know what I did is not as bad as cheap. What he did is not as bad as cheating, or you know, because what he did is way worse than cheating. But it's important to acknowledge that he brought it upon himself, and nobody should feel bad for him. Um, because and and he wants us to feel bad by playing this victim of what. Look at all these guys that are in the Hall of Fame, and what I did isn't as bad. That's not true. But I want to I want to move forward in this discussion because we'll get to Schilling in a minute. Um, mm. But the the one thing I wanted to ask you about is there a war limitation that you set? To be in the Hall of Fame? Is there a certain threshold that each guy has to cross?
1: So there's, it's definitely something I look at. Um, but I mean, war is obviously a flawed stat. So I don't want it to be the end all be all. I usually like to have guys over like 65 war percent. Se- I mean, that's just like a number I'm throwing out there. And usually over 60 war to get me to really consider. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you have to look at their resume like outside of that. You have to look at their allocates. You have to look at, um, their situation, like their what stadium they played in, their hitting stats, how long they were good for. And, you know, I mean, some guys had a really good peak. And maybe they won an MVP or came in top, top two or three. But, you know, maybe some guys played for 20 years and they sort of had a few good years that really pushed them over the top.
0: So let's just start jumping into it. And I have one more question. And I know the answer, but everybody else needs to know the answer. Is Omar Vizquel a Hall of Famer? <laughs> No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> we'll do an Omar episode down the road. Uh, I'm obviously a little bit more passionate about that one, but uh, yeah. Let me ask wanted, you. I just wanted point. to make he, sure. Yeah, hit me, hit me.
1: Uh, is Andrelton Simmons a Hall of Famer? No, not at this point. <laughs> yes. At least unless
0: it unless Andrelton Simmons starts tapping into some unknown hitting potential, then no. So yeah, yeah I, I think on the Chris plan. Yeah, so let's let's just jump right into it, uh, Um Start us off. You're going to do it a little differently. You're not going to go in alphabetical order. Explain to the folks at home how you're going to be uh, revealing your ballot today, and then and then go right ahead.
1: So I'm going to reveal my ballot in terms of uh, tiers because I think that um, everyone has a different standard for the Hall of Fame. And, I mean, I, I appreciate how, like, sometimes people People are like, hey, like this guy was a great player of his generation. He has to be remembered. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Or no, the Hall of Fame is only for the select like elite players. And I, I appreciate that's the th- cool thing about the MLB Hall of Fame instead of like the NFL. NFL, you only have five, five people you could vote for. So there's not really a big hall or small hall kind of thing. It's just whoever you think deserves it most. And it
0: feels like the same amount of guys get into the NFL Hall of Fame every year. And I definitely think that the MLB, because of the, you know, how many positions there are, it's more subjective than objective.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely more subjective. And everyone has a different, like, criteria, which is why I want to separate it into, like, players who I think, who I have no doubts about Some player who I also have very limited doubts about and you know so on and so forth to where some guys have their their case are honestly toss-ups to me so let's
0: so how many tiers do
1: you have so I had um, I had four tiers
0: okay so what are they
1: so tier one is Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens
0: Okay. Uh, tier well, two. no. Tell me what. Tell me like. Don't tell me which guy, because okay. we gotta save the secret. I know everybody knows you're gonna have Bonds and Clemens, so that's fine. But um, oh. what is what what is each what is the criteria for each tier?
1: So my tier one, uh, these are like generational players. These were the best at their positions in the league. These are all time great players, and the fact that, I mean. Say it.
0: Say it. There the fact that they're not in is ridiculous. There shouldn't be a debate. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know why
1: we have to discuss it every single year. It's absurd. Absolutely.
0: absolutely. I, uh, you
1: know, I tier 2, uh, this guy is a clear Hall of Famer to me. He was one of the best uh, pitchers of his generation and took it up to another level in the postseason.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, tier 3, so these guys are all – these two are very different players but i think they were both clear hall of famers because they were both one of the best at what they did for their mm-hmm. entire career and they got there and very they might not have the counting stats in terms of like hits or whatever but their allocates show like how special players they were and i mean if any franchise had them in their peak they were very grateful mm-hmm. and then uh, let me get tier four uh tier four so these guys are borderline to me there is like they might not have seemed like hall of famers or there might be one like very
0: big red flag. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that they deserve to be in. All right. And then before we get it, we'll start it. We'll start it. Yeah. We'll work our way down. So um, before we get into tier one, who you already revealed and you can throw me a crazy Barry bond set or something if you want to. But um, before you get into tier one, I want to know who just missed, who was on the outside. Where is that line you draw kind of between hall of fame and hall of very good so the guys that just missed um mm. i well i'll separate
1: it um so sammy sosa was the first guy off mm. um billy wagner was another guy that just got left off and also many ramirez which was mm. not for uh not for performance reasons mm-hmm.
0: So you're leaving Manny off because of his two positive tests.
1: Yeah, he yeah, he failed two tests and mm-hmm. I feel like at some point you have to draw a line. Like I you agree. can't you can't glorify cheating in the hall. Mm-hmm. I mean in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I mean as a player he was he was special. Like he's he's one of the best hitters I've ever seen yeah. and I was lucky to be like the end of his career and He's one of the best hitters I've ever seen. I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah,
0: no. And that's why I still have, I still have Manny on mine because I think he's just a little too good. Like I, I, I looked at Robbie's Cano's and Robbie Cano would have been a Hall of hammer. No doubt. Oh but yeah. His case, his case isn't quite as good as Manny's. So for me, it's easier to leave him off. It's really, yeah. really tough to leave a guy like Manny out of the hall, but yeah, he's on that borderline and he's not in a great position right now in terms of his voting. Uh, he didn't get any gain in voting from last year, so yeah, it's going to be. He's got a really tough case. Um, I oh, yeah, want to ask so you know, yeah. Manny was actually in my uh, tier two. Okay, if, if he based on his performance, wow. So if he hadn't been a two-time story tester, he would have been in your tier two. Okay, um, let's go to Sosa. So Sosa, you're looking at his career before he really took off, and you're saying that wasn't good enough for me with his peak added.
1: So Sammy's are a really tough case because I mean this might be a little unfair, but I feel like so much of his production was steroidated. Like mm-hmm. it's not like Barry Bonds or Clemens were they were the best at what they did. Right. Like they I mean they have Bonds is seven MVPs, Clemens is seven Cy Young's. In my opinion, they are definitely the best at their position. Right. No, the best position player and the best pitcher of all time. Right. But uh I mean even with Sosa's like uh, just very suspicious. Game- <laughs> yeah. Um, he's wink, still wink. like wink, wink. Yeah. Uh, he still struggled at a lot of like he wasn't a great defender. He wasn't. Mm. He wasn't really great at um, you know, much else besides hitting bombs. And sure, I mean, he had a good eye, and he was a good player. Besides that, but yeah, I mean, it's so- it's so suspicious. Like all his great
0: years were like. With right. steroids. Right. And, it's, and it, even that, yeah. Sosa is one of, I, I would say, one of the most um, highly debated cases because of that, because he was so great at his peak, but it was so obvious what was happening at his peak that it's hard. You know, it's the same thing with Maguire, but Maguire might have been a little bit better than Sosa was before the peak. So it, yeah. Sosa's an interesting one. Now Sosa
1: mm-hmm, I, go ahead. Add, um, his career WAR is a lot lower than the average right fielder his mm-hmm. jaw is a lot lower and even with all his like all his bike peak seasons that inflated him mm-hmm. he only had a 128 OPS plus which is good right. it's very good it's better than some players I voted for but those players I voted for didn't use steroids right to- and
0: they have and they have yeah. other aspects of their game as well. Yeah. Now the the last guy, I really want to ask you about this one because you, we have gone back and forth on this one uh, a lot. This is one of the ones that we debate a lot. So Billy Wagner, I have Billy Wagner on. I think he's the greatest left-handed reliever of all time. I know that you're not big on relievers in the hall of fame. Tell me why. And tell me why Billy isn't one of the ones that makes the cut.
1: I mean, I feel like with Billy Wagner, I don't really like putting relievers in which I mean admittedly it's sort of a bias and I don't think he was as good he obviously wasn't as good as Mariano he wasn't as good as Trevor Hoffman either mm-hmm. I believe and I mean also his his career wars below the average right. reliever mm-hmm. and stuff like that but uh, I don't know like I feel like the best pitchers like they're pitching as a starter because mm-hmm. they're you know, one of the best pitchers on the right. team, they have like, they can go six, seven, eight innings if they mm-hmm. need to. And I mean, I guess relievers are almost like a niche position. Yeah, I agree. I'm-
0: I agree with that. And relievers have been shown to be very volatile um, mm-hmm. and, and not very valuable. You can kind of just pick up a reliever and have them be really good for two or three years. And then, they're not good anymore. Um, so they're kind of replaceable. So how much value does a good reliever really have? And yes, Wagner does only have 25, uh, like 24, 25 war, I think. Right. But you, you can't cross this stretch. You, you, you know, you have to be so you believe for relievers, you have to be so far and above everybody else. You have yeah. to be a, a Rivera, a, a Hoffman, a- mm-hmm raleigh fingers type to be in yeah
1: and i know like wagner was like as good as like hoffman on like rate stats or whatever but he also didn't pitch as many innings Mm -hmm. which i mean maybe i don't even know if i would have voted for trevor hoffman i probably would have because he was so dominant but yeah i
0: don't know he was this he was the saves leader before rivera so those are the two guys and those are the guys that wagner will always be compared to and should be compared to he he you know pitched a big part of his career with those guys so it's it's a fair comparison and i understand you know there are people that don't see relievers so sosa wagner and uh manny are the guys that just missed for you let's jump in tier four these are your uh or tier one sorry let's start at the top barry bonds and roger clemens it's it's too obvious to even talk yeah. about right yeah it's too obvious to talk about but i mean do you know have how. a Do you have a Barry stat for me? Because I actually forgot to do two bonds and a lie this week. So, do you have a really oh, good berry to, bond yeah. stat? Do you have a bond stat off the top of your head
1: for me? Uh, well, I mean, everyone has.
0: Uh, Hold on, has hmm? I didn't reveal the I didn't reveal the answer to do bonds and a lie. So this is perfect. We can do oh, okay. last week's two bonds and a lie. So let All me right, pull this me- up. Let me pull this up here.
1: I'm not, I'm not looking at anything to be clear. So I'm, I'm waiting for you to, Oh, I'm giving you the two.
0: this is no, 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 no. This is uh, what's it called? I didn't do last week's. So here we go. Okay. I did not reveal the answer from last, last episode. So I'm going to reveal it here as the fill in for this week's and also a fill in for your Barry Bonds stat. So the three stats that I gave last week, um, one of them was a lie. The first one was, in 2004, Barry Bonds reached base more times than he had at bats. Uh, the second one was, Bonds had a higher weighted runs created plus in his final season than Musial and Fox in their whole careers. And the third one is, the difference between Bonds and the next highest number of intentional walks in a career is higher than the next player's total. Reefman, which one of these stats is wrong? I think the first one's wrong, right? That he had more at bats than... More, he reached base more times than he had at bats. Is that what your? That's your guess. Ooh, that's a hard one. (laughs) That is true. The other truth on there is that the difference between Bonds and the next highest number of intentional walks. So Albert Pujols is second highest on the intentional walks list. His total number of intentional walks is lower. Than the gap between Barry Bonds and his number of intentional walks. So the stat that was a lie is that Bonds had a higher-weighted runs created plus in his final season than Musial and Fox had in their whole careers. However, it was only one point lower. Musial and Fox had 158-weighted runs created plus in their careers. Bonds had a 157-weighted runs created plus in his final season season in 2007. He also had an OPS over 1,000. There you uh, go. That's there cool. you... That that's that's just it, right? That's Barry. That's Barry. He for had you. the it highest was... OPS plus in the league as last year. He was that good for that long. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um,
1: I have a Barry Bonds stat. So give it to me. Barry Bonds has the top three OPS plus seasons
0: ever. Ever. Does he also have the fifth? Is he four of the top five? Yes, he has, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he has four of the top five. Who's fourth? How? Who's fourth? Who's uh, fourth? So fourth first single season is... Four of the top five OPS Plus seasons of all time and the top three. It's Fred Dunlap, but that doesn't even count. That okay, doesn't. Four, I don't even okay, know yes, who that OPS is. He has
1: four of the top five seasons Uh since World War II, and
0: the fourth guy is Ted Williams. Wow. That is crazy. That is really something. Wow. Yeah. He, he, it, it, there's no reason to even debate it, dude. There's no reason to debate it. He would have been a Hall of Famer before this. You know, It's like you talked about with Sosa. He wasn't a Hall of Famer until he took the steroids. Yeah. Bonds was a Hall of Famer. Bonds was day, on pace
1: to be a top five player of all time
0: anyway. From the day he stepped into the league yeah so, you already then, won three
1: mvps before. and
0: then clemens seven Cy Youngs. do we even need to go there you know what i mean like you have anything there besides the fact that he's seven, arguably the is he is he the greatest pitcher of all time
1: i think he is and i think the debate is between him and randy johnson because mm-hmm. randy johnson had the four Cy youngs and obviously we didn't even debate his all-fame right right best lefty I mean, ever yeah best lefty ever i mean i wasn't lucky enough to like watch his prime, but like, mm-hmm. I mean, we've all seen
0: videos of it.
1: We've right. all, we've all seen the four Cy Youngs in a row. It's unbelievable. Right.
0: They're, 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 those guys are just bonds and Clemens and Johnson as well, are just guys that you hear their names and you know, they're a hall of famer. Yeah. That's it. And so, Roger Clemens, I have a couple of, so he maybe.
1: won the triple crown for pitchers twice <laughs> his career. He he had the best ERA in this league seven times. Wait, what is triple crown for pitchers? It's ERA strikeouts. And wins, probably. And wins. Yeah. And he also won an MVP as a pitcher.
0: Guys, don't do that, man. Like we had a happen. we had a discussion about happen. who was it a, a couple of years ago. I think Scherzer was in the debate for MVP a couple of years ago. It was either Scherzer or Degrom. And and it doesn't have it does not happen anymore, man. It used to happen, you know, um, back in the '70s and '80s, and that that was also when relievers were winning Cy Youngs, which is a crazy concept to me. But pitchers. It, and the MVP is a hitter award, and the fact yeah. that some of the guys that have had great years on the mound, such dominant seasons in the past few years, you know, like a Jake Arrieta as well, could have been in contention for the MVP when he mm-hmm. won the Cy Young. And the fact that these guys haven't won it shows that it's not, uh, a, a p- pitchers aren't in contention in it for it anymore. And I'm fine with that because we have the Cy Young, and mm-hmm. Clemens won more than anybody.
1: Yeah, the only pitchers in my lifetime who I've seen one MVP was Justin Verlander and Clayton Kershaw.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I'm not sure it'll happen again. Yeah. Those guys,
1: in, in my opinion, they're the two best pitchers of uh, this generation. Yeah, I agree. All
0: right. So we've got our, your tier one, your tier one, two best, mm-hmm. two, two best players on the ballot. It's obvious the best yeah. pitcher and the best hitter of all time. Tier mm-hmm. two, I think you kind of gave it away. That's fine. Um, talk yeah. to us about Kurt Schilling.
1: So Kurt Schilling, um, He pretty much did everything based on his career. We're going to discuss only his career in this. Uh, He pretty much did everything besides win a Cy Young. And even then, he finished second in Cy Young three times.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So he was just behind, you know, Randy Johnson. Uh, in Arizona, which I mean, right. that's a ridiculous tandem. That is
0: that is pretty crazy. Yeah. Randy Johnson and Curt Schilling. I mean, it, it won them the World Series. So yeah. So if
1: anyone's like, "Hey, how did uh, how did Arizona win the World Series?" Um, even though they were an expansion franchise like three years before, I'm like, "Well, they had."
0: Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. That was pretty... How did they make that happen? They had Matt Williams on that team. They had Luis Gonzalez. I mean, that yeah. was a good team, man. And the Marlins yeah. did it in four years. The Diamondbacks did it in three. So the, yeah. the Marlins came in in 93. They won in 97. The Diamondbacks came in in 98 and won in 01. So that is, yeah, that is pretty spectacular. And that's how you do it with dominant starting pitching and Schilling, who talked to us, one of the best playoff pitchers of all time.
1: Yes, yes. So he's arguably the best honestly and i mean he had 2.23 era and 19 career starts which is a big sample size
0: for for the playoffs that's a big sample size yeah yeah
1: and also even i mean he won a world series the body sock all, all
0: that stuff i you know? think the other thing with with this hall of fame stuff is how much do you take into account like i icon- you know it sounds stupid but iconic moments right yeah. so One thing was, you know, some people think that Sosa's home run chase uh, kind of pushes him over the edge. Just having iconic moments, uh, one thing, you know, the bloody sock, does that kind of help his case a little bit?
1: I think so, and I think that helps. uh, I mean, that helps Sosa's case too because if he wasn't a steroid user, I would have voted him in because I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, this guy is a part of baseball history. This guy guy revitalized baseball. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you, you saw the thirty for thirty. And I
0: actually haven't yet, but I've had, been meaning to get to it. Really? No, I haven't seen it yet.
1: But I've been—I have been meaning to get to it. But I heard it. I heard it was great. Yeah, yeah. I, so I watched the thirty for thirty, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, I—I <laughs> I can't even understand like how how crazy. Like everyone, everyone, not even like baseball fans were like following um, what was going on. Like they wanted to know if Bonds hit one, if McGuire hit one, if uh, Sosa hit one, right. like, and then eventually it became between McGuire and Sosa.
0: Mm-hmm. So but, those, those, you know, and, and just as iconic as that is the bloody sock game. I mean, yeah, is, exactly. Was it marker? Was it ketchup? I think was, it was ketchup. You think <laughs> it was ketchup? It, it, it's an iconic game. It's yeah. an iconic moment. Um, you know, help propel the Red Sox um, to their first world yeah, series title in 86 years. Yeah. So it, it, you ha- that has to count for something, right?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I mean, he's obviously a legend there.
0: It's mm-hmm. great for Arizona for those years too. You don't fault him for not having a Cy Young because I think that does hurt his case a little bit. So
1: I w- would say it does, but he was second in Cy Young three times. Besides, Primeo, Yo- he was behind Primeo Santana. Not bad. And, uh, yeah, that guy was not bad. Yeah, uh, and prime Randy Johnson. So I mean, so he lost the Johnson choice in Santana once. Yeah, he had an 8.8 WAR from uh, Baseball Reference in That's 2001. Ridiculous. And That's he, ridiculous. yeah, he was buying Randy Johnson,
0: because he had 10 WAR. Uh huh. Jesus. And and Bonds probably had like 11 or something that year. So yeah. All right. So Schilling, um, we we kind of touched on the character stuff mm-hmm. a little bit, but I just yeah. want to we're not the character police, right? Like as a hall of fame voter, like you, you see it as vote on the baseball on the merits of their baseball careers, because this is a baseball museum. Yeah.
1: It's not like I'm telling him to like,
0: you know, I'm not inviting him into my family or I'm not,
1: I'm not inviting him or I'm not voting for him for office or I'm not even giving him like a follow on Twitter or anything. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just putting him in a baseball museum because I think he's one of the best baseball players of the 2000s
0: i think that's a really simple way to put it and i i think you you say it perfectly and the fact that we're looking at a museum of baseball and we want the best baseball players of all time so put barry bonds and roger clemens yes let's let's go to tier three you said there are two guys in tier three just remind me of what this criteria is here
1: so this criteria to me i think they're pretty easy hall of famers because they were one of For a good time period, they were one of the best at their positions. Okay. And, I mean, I guess these two guys were very different career-wise because one had a spectacular peak Mm -hmm. and not much else after that. Mm -hmm. And then the other guy was just really good for, you know, 15, 17 years or whatever. So I think I have the
0: two guys. I think I've uh, figured them out. Mm Mm-hmm. Start us off with Andrew Jones. Yes, sir. All right. Tell us about Andrew.
1: He is the best outfield defender ever since Willie Mays. Probably. Yeah. No better than Willie Mays defensive defensive. defensive. His
0: defensive He's value best is best higher best than,
1: outfielder than to ever play baseball. Yeah. That's incredible. And the fact like that he did that and he still hit, he still hit home runs. He still hit nukes.
0: He hit bombs, dude. He has like 450 home runs in his career, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, he has 434 home runs. Okay. That's, so a, lot. that's a lot of bombs.
0: That's a ton of bombs, especially for a guy that, like you said, dealt with injuries. So t- tell us a little bit about um, the, the you know downside to Andrew's case. Well,
1: I also want to talk about a couple. I, I want to give one uh, good stat. on. Go Andrew. for it.
0: Give me, a, give me a stat.
1: So, For his 10-year peak, there were only two players who had higher war than him. This is a 10-year peak, by the way. It's, mm-hmm. I believe, 1997 to 2006 or something like that. Yeah. All right. Do you want to guess those two players? that we're I mean, gonna- the
0: first one is Barry Bonds. Yes. And the second one, uh, Babe Ruth? No. Ted Williams? Like
1: in, in, in his time. Oh, period.
0: in this gener- – um, of, of his generation, of those, ten- like, 10 years. 10-year peak, uh, Larry? No. Who is it? Alex Rodriguez. Okay.
1: Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was pretty good.
0: Yeah, he was all right. He'll yeah, be on he the ballot right. next year. He's got a pretty interesting case, yeah. but yeah. yeah. He does, he does I, I, I I don't I think people forget just how good Andrew was because he did kind of tail off towards the end of his career. Yeah,
1: yeah which is a shame that mm-hmm. he tailed off so quickly. And I mean I guess it started with like leaving free agency and mm-hmm. I guess it might have been a like commit, commitment to baseball thing. I don't really know, but mm-hmm. I mean, think like if he put up his performance for three, four more years, I mean, there's no
0: doubt. And if you take out those years, right? So those are the years that hurt his case a lot. If you take out those years, uh isn't he surefire? If you're looking at just that ten year peak, isn't he to think. a lot I mean, he's sure to us, but to yeah. a lot more people, is don't you think that he's sure fire? I would think so. And
1: maybe if he came into the league at twenty three years old or whatever. 24 years old and, you know, tailed off at 35, 36, everyone would be like, okay, well this is normal. Mm-hmm. This normal, like this guy's a Hall of Famer because he had, he was the third best player in the league for 10 years.
0: Right. So, and he was a huge, let's, let's talk about another, you know, one of these like uh, intangible things. He was a huge part of a really, really good team for a decade. You know, yeah. that team ran the, ran the national league for a decade.
1: Yeah, they did. Well, the National League East because you know how the Braves joke.
0: Right, exactly. Atlanta sports. But I mean, don't you, you know, do you think that that's something that should be qualifying to guys is they were the heart and soul of a team that was very good for a long time? Do you think that helps his case or do you think his case is kind of good enough?
1: I mean, I think that helps his case for sure because like, I mean, he got the opportunity to play in a lot of big games and his defense really showed up and actually mattered. But, I mean, on the other hand, like, you can't criticize – like, you can't criticize, like, a Mike Trout or whatever for being like, okay, well, his team is terrible or Mm -hmm. Albert Pujols didn't live up to his contract. Like, that's not not his fault. But, I don't know. Being a great player on one of the biggest teams in baseball, I think that with – I mean, Braves fans have pretty high expectations too. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he lived up to those is pretty – lived up to those and more Mm -hmm. very impressed and he was a prodigy
0: like people shouldn't Mm -hmm. forget that so let's talk he was super hyped let's talk quickly about um because i think a lot of people uh will say well if you have andrew in because he's one of the best defenders of all time then you have to have uh this scale in but let's just kind of compare here the fact that yeah he wasn't The best hitter, I mean, you know, a 111 weighted runs creative plus isn't anything outstanding. Uh, An 823 OPS is, it's those are good numbers, but they're not, you know, Hall of Fame hitter numbers. But when you combine that with his defense, you're talking about Omar Vizquel having 45, 46 war or something like that. Andrew Jones has 67 war. So it's, you you, you know, his defense was good enough and his, his defense was so spectacular that it, Kind of carries his offensive production over the line, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you said it best. I mean, he's not a Hall of Fame hitter, mm-hmm. I and mean, his like his, a lot of his hitting stats are well below a lot of like Hall of Fame. Yeah, players, I mean, Hall of, caliber, Hall of Fame caliber players that we've even discussed on the ballot in recent mm-hmm. years, like like Jim Edmonds was definitely a hitter. Yeah, he was out for his ballot, but. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: if you. I want to. I I want to do a Jim Edmonds episode. I think I could do a Jim Edmonds. Yeah, episode. yeah. About I how think he'd be, it I is. think would definitely be an interesting uh, yeah. case. And then you know the two fifty four. I know batting average doesn't bother you, but just tell us a little bit about why that doesn't really bother you. I mean, I feel like if
1: you're getting on base anyway, it right. doesn't necessarily matter like what your average is because right. like a single is. I mean, for the most part, as good as walk, or mm-hmm. I
0: don't know, but analytics nerds. And Analy- we're, we're gonna get into we're gonna get nerd talk here. All right, yeah, Andre Jones, Andre Jones, clear Andrew for Jones. you, right? Andre Jones,
1: clear yeah. for you, right? Yeah, I think he's I think he's a Hall of Famer. Nobody with uh, ten Gold Gloves or more. There's, is not in the Hall of Fame. And those guys wow. were Roberto Clemente, Al Kaline, Willie Mason, Ken Griffey Jr. Those are some damn good players, man. And
0: and let's just, uh, you know, refresh. Uh, Andrew did good this year, and I think he's on a pretty good pace. Uh, mm-hmm. If he continues on the pace that he's been on recently, um, then he should be able to find his way into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. He's, he's pretty early in his ballot contention. Mm-hmm. The next guy, I think I know where you're going, but I'm not sure. So this would be fifth on your ballot. Um, So, so far you have Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, and Andrew Jones is in the next tier. Schilling is in between um, this tier with Andrew, one other player, and the tier with Roger and Barry. So who is the fifth guy on your ballot? And this is kind of in order. You picked Andrew over this guy, yes? Uh, not exactly,
1: but, okay. um, who but, is the next guy? We're going to
0: roll with it. Uh, Scott Rowland. Yes. That's what I thought.
1: Yeah. So the biggest thing about Scott Rowland is I don't understand why like small hall guys wouldn't vote for him because there's or the no steroid guys. Cause there's no like red, like he didn't use steroids. He was a very good player for a long time. Uh, his, his numbers are there. His allocates are there.
0: I, I can't under I can't comprehend it to be honest Ethan. Yeah, no, I can't understand it either. Also, have you been saying accolades instead of accolades this entire time?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot. Accolades.
0: Allocades was like a per- was like a peripheral like <laughs> so scott roland has all the accolades yes he's he has all that ti- he's an eight-time gold glover he's got more gold gloves than larry walker and i believe he's got the same amount of gold gloves as barry bonds what what, what is it it's a perfect case isn't it don't you think it's a perfect i case? think it is. all right so
1: i'm gonna give you two third basemen here and you're gonna guess i want you to guess who these two are okay player a mm-hmm. four-time all-star five-time gold glove, 819 OPS, 116 OPS plus. Uh, that guys is he, – he was a special player. Um, the other guy, seven-time all-star, eight-time gold glove, 855 OPS, 122 OPS plus. I think this guy this guy's also a special player.
0: He's better than the first guy, and I know the second guy is Roland, but I don't know who the first guy is, so tell me who the first guy is. The first guy is Adrian Beltre. Okay. Yeah, and I think a lot of people think that Beltray's a first ballot Hall of Famer. You would say, yeah, right? and I think Beltray might get like ninety percent of the vote mm-hmm. when he comes up. You know, Roland, is—he's first of all. Let's be clear, he's going to get in. Um, he'll you get in eventually. He, he, yeah. he is on a good enough. He is far ahead of pace. Um, yeah. He's going to get in. Uh, I agree. Probably within the next two to three years should he be in already? I mean, you know, we're, we're not the people that I wouldn't necessarily say he was a first ballot hall of famer, but depending on how the ballot, I probably would have voted for him on his first ballot. Um, Because yes, there is a distinction between first ballot and the rest, but there's no distinction between second ballot and seventh ballot. Am I right? Yeah. I think he should be in because I mean, I think a
1: lot of reasons why like his, he's not like a 10 time ulcer like a, 10-time Gold glover he doesn't have more silver sluggers because of chipper jones i mean and chipper jones obviously he first ballot hall of famer like he was the star of that generation yeah yeah Yeah, exactly and like i don't think like roland's case should be like compromised at all because chipper jones was an unbelievable player Mm -hmm. and or like when he has his like mvp caliber season is when like Bonds and Adrian Beltre have the best seasons of their careers. Mm -hmm. Like, so he he has like those type of numbers. It just didn't work out. Like if he, if Scott Rowland has those numbers with someone I'm going to get to later in um, his MVP season, Mm -hmm. uh, he's already in the hall of fame because he has an MVP. Right. But I mean, it just didn't work out years wise, but I mean, he was a great defender let's great be clear
0: player. i think he has the second most oh no brooks robinson has the first most but i think he's like right behind <laughs> schmidt i think he's like right behind schmidt for gold gloves by a third baseman and that schmidt guy was pretty damn good
1: yeah he was all right <laughs>
0: yeah I, mike schmidt wasn't that bad so um to, you know to me uh mm-hmm. With all things considered, when you include the fact that Schilling has character issues and this, you know, the steroid is and some of the other stuff, does Rowan might have the third best case on the ballot right now?
1: I think I, th- I think he does. Mm-hmm. I think he has a very clean case, and he has like he has seventy war. All he so. ticks
0: every box, dude. He's got every seventy box. war. He's got eight gold gloves. He's a what a you said a eight a five time all star, seven time all star
1: five yeah, time, All-Star. time
0: all-star, seven time all-star and eight time gold glover. You know, all-star to me uh recently it's kind of become a popularity contest, but I think it's important that you were recognized by the community as one of the best players that year or if you were doing it for a, you know, 6-7 years of that time period that people knew you were one of the best, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also, based on like looking at his numbers, this guy was also like, he was also a five-tool player because he right. could, he could hit, he hit for power, could field, he could run, yeah. And I, I'm blanking on the fifth tool. I think it's patience, right? Uh,
0: patience. Run, hit, throw. Speed.
1: Yeah. Run, run, hit, throw.
0: Hit for power. Defense. Yeah.
1: Defense. Yeah. And he did everything. He, yeah. was a great, he was great. He great at everything. So. Like
0: I said, I think it's the third best case, man. You know, and it's cl- like you said, it's clean. There's no character issues here. It's a 70 WAR and 855 OPS and eight Gold Gloves. That's what it breaks down to. So, um, yeah, we're. Completely in agreement so far. The only thing we don't agree on is some of the guys you left off. You left off Manny and Billy Wagner, who would have been on my ballot. Um, I understand why you left Manny off. You also left off Sosa. So far, you've got Barry, Roger, Schilling, Andre Jones, and uh, Scott Rowland. We're moving into a new tier here. I think you said there are three guys in this tier, and these are your borderline cases. Correct?
1: Yeah, so these guys are toss-ups. And I'm going to try to run through this a little quicker. Okay.
0: Uh, let's give, give me the first one.
1: So, Jeff Kent was the first guy. Nice. Uh, I'm, I, I'm
0: happy you have Kent because I think he deserves a little more love.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, Jeff Kent, he was the guy I mentioned earlier that if Roland had his 2004 season this year, he would have had an MVP. Mm-hmm. But uh, he has the most home runs for a second baseman of all time. That has to, that has to mean something.
0: I, I agree, and we've talked about this a few times, where if you are the best blank at this position, I think that helps you. Being the best power-hitting second baseman of all time, better than Ryan Sandberg, should help you. You know, And he is... Um, the reason I love Roland's case so much is because he has Jeff Kent's offense, plus he was an eight-time goal glover. So yeah. I think that Kent's hitting resume is hall of fame worthy plus Mm -hmm. Roland has it so I'm glad you talked about these guys back to back because Roland's OPS is 855 what is Jeff Kent's OPS 855. and his and Roland's way to run creative plus I want to say is 122 or maybe it's Kent's is 122 and Roland's is
1: 123 and Roland's is 122
0: exactly so they're the same same you're talking you're talking about the same hitter here
1: yeah and the only thing that separates the two is like Roland was a gold glove defender and Kent was right. average at it. and But Kent has his MVP, which is huge.
0: And how much of a believer are you in um, standards by position, right? So uh, second base isn't the strongest position out there. There aren't that many second Hall of Fame second basemen. Do you think that because Kent Kent can benefit – from playing second base because he was one of the best second basemen of all time.
1: Yeah. Well, I also believe that second base is a very under... It's a very underrepresented Hall of Fame position.
0: Yeah, I can agree but with that. I think that.
1: You see, like, especially in this generation, how important, like, they are, especially in your, your defense. And I think we saw, even with Robbie Cano, who, unfortunately, like, won't make the Hall of Fame. Mm. But, I mean, we saw, like, how he changed the team yeah. in his prime.
0: Uh, and Kent winning an winning an MVP as a second baseman, I mean, Petey's the only guy I can think of recently that did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's an outfielder, third baseman, shortstop award. So mm-hmm. I think that's very, I think that's very impressive yeah. as well. And, and yeah, if have, he, yeah. go ahead, go ahead.
1: Uh, I was gonna say I have some fun uh, stats for Scott Roll about Scott Rowland. Hit me. So the only second baseman with more hits. Wait, are,
0: second baseman or third baseman? Is this Roland or Kent? Second
1: baseman with more hits. Jeff. Gunn. Okay,
0: so Kent, you said Roland. Okay, uh, i talking sorry. about Kent. You're good. Yeah.
1: Um, the only second baseman with more hits are Craig Biggio. Mm-hmm. 3,000 3, hits, yeah. Also 3,000 hits for Roberto Alomar. Uh, true, I didn't know Alomar had 3,000 hits, but yep. yeah. And he was second, second ballot, 90% vote. Um, Robinson Cano and Joe Morgan.
0: Yeah, so top five in hits by a second baseman and number one in home runs. One of the best offensive profiles of his generation. And for
1: those, and for those that care about RBIs, he has the most RBIs for a second baseman ever. Yeah.
0: Um, RBIs are a team set, but I, there are I, plenty of people I, that I, care about RBIs. Yeah. And I know you don't, but there are plenty of people that care about RBIs. So I think it's important to mention that. One question for you on Kent before we move on to the next guy. Take away the MVP. Is he a Hall of Famer?
1: I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think that means a lot. To yeah. be the best player of National League for a season is – especially like a full season. It's not, you know, this COVID season. Mm-hmm. Right. Trevor Bowers, Asterix, Cy Young. Right.
0: <laughs> Mickey Mouse, Cy Young. Uh, for Mickey Turner Mouse, Power. Cy Young. <laughs> um, uh, But – Yeah. Go ahead. Go
1: ahead. He's the best player on a team. And, I mean – the MLB decided that he deserved MVP. Maybe he wasn't better than Bonds. I don't know. But the fact that he was considered to be the
0: best player in the National League, that means a lot. And I don't think an MVP is an auto-qualifier, but I think your borderline, which, look, for me, Kent is just above the line, and then um, it's Hall very good, and then it's Torrey Hunter right below it. So I think that his case, I agree with you, is very borderline. But that MVP, it pushes it over the edge for you, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: it's a, it's a very well. It took it from probably not a Hall of Famer to probably a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and, right. and I mean, you could probably talk me out.
0: Uh, well,
1: in the past, you could talk me out of voting Jeff Kemp for the Hall of Fame, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, he was very good. I mean, he won an MVP, and he he, he was good for a long time. yeah, yeah,
0: and he was good for a long time. And clean, yeah. um, you know, he, he, he's kind of known as an asshole, but. Guys are assholes, you know. There are assholes in the MLB. So uh, there are so many of them. Being being not the best person, you know, it, it, it yeah. being an asshole to the media is not character issues like what Curt Schilling has to the point where yep. it's going to be a, a blip on your resume. You don't have to like the guy. You just have to be good at your job and this Absol- job. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> so to me, you know, that's something that has hurt Kent, um, but it's not something that is worth discussing. Yeah. Next, go on to the um, next
1: guy, Gary Sheffield.
0: Yeah, baby. So be- borderline, borderline. Porter.
1: Okay. That's so great. the million dollar question on Gary Sheffield: How good do you have to be at hitting to be <laughs> the worst defensive player ever in the Hall of Fame?
0: <laughs> so let's let's put this. I put this up against Omar. We I just did the Gary Sheffield episode. I put him up against Omar because Omar would be arguably the the worst hitter, and Sheffield would be. Uh, the worst offender. Compare their war. Compare their war. Sheffield is like a 68 war guy, whereas we talked about yeah. Visco earlier is a 45 war guy. Offense is simply more valuable. That's what it comes down to, right? Yeah, offense matters much more than defense. And it's, it's about I mean, the game is about scoring runs, man. If yeah. you can't produce runs,
1: uh, can't that's win.
0: it. That's it. Thanks, Trent Dilfer. Yeah, you cannot. Lose games in the NFL and still win. Don't forget. Do that one. Can't do it. <laughs> so talk to me a little about, a yeah. little bit about Sheffield.
1: So Gary Sheffield. Um, well, we talked about like bad fielders that are in the Hall of Fame, and there are like a lot of them, and especially Frank Thomas, who's actually one of my favorite hitters ever. Like I, I used to search on
0: YouTube for who Frank didn't Thomas. Love like. Tom, who didn't love the Big Hurt, dude? Exactly. He hit exactly. diggers. He, he hit diggers.
1: Yeah, and he was a terrible fielder, too, and he didn't play, like, first base is, like, barely a real, like, defensive Mm. position.
0: Mm. Catch the ball. Catch the ball. Let the ball come in your glove.
1: Catch the ball. You make a throw game.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But the the fact of the matter is, and I said this on the Gary Sheffield episode, (laughs) Frank Thomas is currently the worst defender in the Hall of Fame. Gary Sheffield's defensive value is 30 points worse than Frank Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why he's borderline to you. That's not that's why he's not that and some of
1: the steroid stuff, but he did not ever fail an MLB drug test, which I mean Steroids, let's be honest, they were
0: encouraged in the bud stealing era. We have to talk about the fact that you can't have a steroid discussion without yes. Everybody was doing it. It's a stupid excuse. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. it just—it's it, just how it was in the '90s. That's and it. If the guy who encouraged it, the guy who
1: allowed it, pretty much, is mm-hmm. in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Why is in the Hall of does, Fame? Yeah, exactly. And,
0: I mean, and, I, and, and Sheffield, his his steroid allegations aren't even that concrete it's like he had something rubbed on his knee and he worked with somebody that uh you know bonds his stats, with.
1: his stats didn't change at all
0: i just did the sheffield episode dude he he is like talk he is one of the most consistent hitters of all time yeah you know? and he has 500
1: home runs and also all right i'll do a side by side is there
0: is there anybody in the 500 home run club that isn't in the hall of fame i don't think there is right there can't be.
1: Um, let me do let me, this real quick. Let me look at this because I've uh, So, everyone that wasn't in it – or everyone that's not in the Hall of Fame that's in the 500 home run club has a steroid allegation. Okay, so Sheffield.
0: Sheffield, Ortiz will be on the ballot next year. A-Rod is on the ballot next year.
1: Yeah, Palmero.
0: Pujols is still playing. Peter. The Paul Miro had never had a chance. Yeah. and Mark Mark McGuire. Manny is still on the ballot. ballot. So, yeah. If you're 500 home runs, that's pretty much a qualifier, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's like 3,000 hits. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's the same type of thing. And honestly, he's also pretty close to 3,000 hits. Mm. I mean, not that close, but like 400 hits away.
0: His peak is just, you know, one of the most consistent peaks we've ever seen yeah his peak is unbelievable and i mean He's, his se- his seven year peak, he like never had a a, a a a way to what's that stat I love way to runs created plus yeah. under like one thirty seven or I I think he had like one injury prone year where he was one twenty three or something. Yeah, but just one of the most considered assistant hitters. So what do you think yeah. the he threshold the
1: OBP and uh-huh. OPS and OPS plus one one year with the Marlins actually? Yeah,
0: his ninety six year uh, where he was the silver slugger was probably he had like a one. Eighty-five, 187 something like that uh way to run to yeah. plus so and, hold on i have a side
1: by side you yeah. and then i have a question
0: for you i, I love side by side i love doing these I love, I love i love anything baseball talk so hit me with it
1: so these are just very simple stats all right so one guy slash 292 393 514 141 uh wrc plus the other guy hit 295, the 380 OBP, 550 slugging percentage, and a 141 WRC+. plus. Who are these two players?
0: Well, one of them is Sheffield, obviously. I think it's the second one is Sheffield because I know he was a big walk guy. So he had that Sheffield three. Was first, first he one. was the first one. Okay, and who was the second one? Alex Rodriguez. Wow. And that's for, that's for their career? Yes, their yeah.
1: career. That's, so Sheffield had a better OBP and – uh, a little bit worse of a slugging percentage, but the same WRC plus and essentially the same batting average.
0: So here we go. The question is Do you have to be Sher- Gary Sheffield good at hitting, or is he so far, or is he above the line that you have to be to get into the Hall of Fame despite his defense? Or do you have to be, you know, for you to let in that bad of a defender, does it have to be Gary Sheffield, or is he exceeding the limit because he was such an exceptional hitter?
1: I mean, I think everyone has like a different case because Sheffield also, I mean, he was fast too. He provided mm-hmm. some value on the base path. So you have to factor that little bit of value in, mm. uh, or you have to value like, okay, well, this guy also did it for 21 years. Right. 22 years. You know? He
0: never really fell off, dude. He never he, fell he off. He never fell off his last year. He had a way to run straight up plus like over 100 i want to say with yeah the mets.
1: yes he was on the mets and i saw him hit his 500th home run that year. you were there i wasn't at the game no uh-huh, I saw, but you I were saw watching him. yeah and i mean it was it was very cool to you know see him still hit bombs he was like over 40
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he, i mean he was a fantastic yeah he was a fantastic hitter even in his life like you saw the patience you saw the little bat wiggle
0: that's <laughs> and, another thing talking about iconic things right the bat waggle, you know, every kid when we were growing up, I know you, Reeveman, you specifically, and I know I did it too. You picked up a bat and a wiffle ball bat, whatever it was, and to fool around with your friends, you started shaking your bat like Gary Sheffield. Of course, yeah. That's just what it was. Yeah, exactly. And and long to you, is longevity like one of the most important things or is it just kind of, because talk about longevity, 21 years and never really falling off, so... I mean, I'm a big fan. I think peak is the most
1: important because you have to be a Hall of Fame caliber player. But I think Sheffield had the peak and longevity. And I mean, if you if you're good for 22 years, it's more important. That's better been good for 15 years dude
0: everybody everybody talks about a seven-year peak so when i did that episode i talked about his seven-year peak was like the marlins and dodgers but then Mm -hmm. he went on to have like five more years that were almost as good as his peak yeah so he really had like a 10 to 11 year peak you could say yeah even through like through his uh yankees run yeah he was tremendous with the yankees
1: literally from the padres to the yankees like that was
0: his peak that's Mm -hmm. 13 14 years unbelievable all right, so this is the final guy on the ballot. Mm-hmm. And I think I know where we're going. This is one I, I'm glad you put it last because this is one yep. I know you wavered on a lot. Is this it was th? a really hard case. It's TH, right? Todd <laughs> yep. Helton? Todd All hard. right, you put him in. I'm, very, I'm happy you put him in. I think he's got a really, really solid case. Um, yeah. Tell me about it.
1: Yeah, the people need to know how much I wavered on this. I, I've asked you about him before. I've asked you to make his case.
0: He's been on the ballot for what? Two or three? This is his second year on the ballot? Third year? I think, so. um. I think this is his third year on the ballot. Since Todd Helton's been on the ballot, you and I have been discussing it. And yeah. and I, at first, you know, I of Sorry. course I know who Todd Helton was. Um, you know, he, one of the great players when I was growing up, he was dominant and you want to talk about dominance that, that he epitomized dominance. You know what I mean? Um, But I, you know, where, where were you wavering? Um, Talk to me about the pros, the cons, what really was it for you that pushed him over the edge? And what was it for you that held him back? Because I'm not sure. Is it Coors?
1: So Coors was part of it, but it wasn't like the whole story because I advocated very hard for Larry Walker last year. Our king. Yes. Yes, sir. And honestly, if Larry Ballot if Larry Legend was on this ballot the first time, I would have voted for him. He to me he's a first ballot hall of famer. Of course. I, maybe he's not a top twenty player of all time. It doesn't matter. He's a first ballot yeah. hall of famer to me. But I look to be honest, like Oh some of it was cores and a lot of it's like a, I'm very reluctant to put in first baseman and especially mm-hmm. one who's a lot of his value like came from defense where I'm like okay like how much does a gold glove like type of first baseman matter like do I really get sold on
0: something like that but three gold gloves at first base is pretty impressive you know what mm-hmm. I mean and, and and you know if it weren't for a guy named Pujols, is he the best first baseman of in the National League of that generation you know what I mean
1: like um, when we probably, were coming up? Probably, yeah. Um, I, Yeah, sure. Hmm. I think so. He was definitely better than, like, Carlos Delgado, who's the other guy up there, for, who I think definitely got uh,
0: – yeah. yeah, I think he got the short end of the stick, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But, but so with Helton, talking about Coors, those splits were a little more egregious than Larry's, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean Larry had bad splits too cuz mm-hmm. but I mean you look at the OPS plus and I mean it, it's still better than like a Eddie Murray who's a clear Hall of Famer mm. um and I mean it's, He's still a good player on the road. Like he slashed yeah. two eighty seven, three eighty six, four sixty-nine.
0: Right. I mean he hit like three thirty at home. So yeah, those sla this the, the splits are a little aggressive, but that's yeah. still a and, very valuable player
1: on the road. And there are like players from Fenway who like Wade Boggs had terrible splits.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh Jim Rice as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: His slugging percentage was a hundred points lower at wow. uh, ninety points lower at um at Fenway then mm. or on the road than at Fenway. Mm. Um, so I don't know I think it's definitely natural to be a better hitter at home regardless. Of course you're playing
0: you're, you're more comfortable there you're playing there more you know consistently whereas when you're on the road you play in three cities on a trip and when you're on a homestand you play you know but um, so home road splits for you you know it was hard to Um, get over what eventually got you over it. You don't value first base defense that much. We've had discussions about this before. I can kind of understand that he does. He is a three-time gold lover at first base, but just kind of tell me what was it eventually that got the job done for you? Because I know you've been wavering on this for years. Mm. You know, I literally decided yesterday, yesterday you texted me yesterday. Okay. I I finally made my decision.
1: Yes. Um, I looked at his numbers versus Joey Votto, who we have said for years it would be a disgrace if that dude didn't make the Hall of Fame. I think he like, might be he the is, most underrated player of our generation, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he was like the original Freddie Freeman to me. Mm. Like, he was, you do not want to face that guy. No. You, you didn't want to face TH. <laughs> no, you didn't want to face Dot Elton either, exactly. And pretty much, Helton and Votto have, like, the exact same numbers.
0: Mm. Give me the numbers.
1: Uh, so in terms of war, uh this is just baseball reference, war Vado's at sixty-two point one versus sixty one point
0: eight.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh Vado's seven seven year peak, forty six point nine versus forty six point six. Wow. Jaw's forty fifty-five Jaws fifty four point five versus fifty four point
0: two. They're the same they're the same player.
1: Yeah, they're the same player. Uh Helton's OPS is nine fifty three versus Vado's nine thirty seven. Wow. Wow. And their OBP, that, so you their- see,
0: you see, okay, so you see the 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 Coors bump there, right? So they have the same uh, park adjusted numbers, but mm. then you go to OPS and it's nine fifty three versus nine thirty seven. So you see that little bump is where he gets that, you know, mm-hmm. where his numbers, you know, his non park adjusted numbers might look a little better than Votto's.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think Votto was probably a little bit of a better player, but it's the point that like. Th- Votto to me is definitely a Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. and you look at Todd Helton, who has similar numbers. He was, he won a silver, slu- he won four silver sluggers at the most competitive hitting position,
0: arguably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he went up against Pujols, man. Like I mean, Pujols yeah. started winning. Like once Pujols started winning them, he wasn't winning them anymore. But he, I think, his first couple were over Pujols, and he was competing uh, in MVP voting against a Kent. Uh, bonds, of uh, uh, poo holes eventually. So he was keeping up with these guys. Yeah.
1: And also from looking at his numbers, I can tell he definitely had some sort of, like, injury that, like, prevented his power towards the end of his career. Because mm-hmm. he, at the beginning of his career, he was hitting, he hit 42 bombs at 26, 49 bombs in 27 season. Mm-hmm. So, like, he clearly had the power that got zapped. But even, even then, like, he still, like, he still adjusted to it. He still mm-hmm. was able to hit for contact.
0: What were his uh, uh way to run creative? Like, give me some of his numbers at the end of his career when you're talking about that power drop. So, um, he, so you know, he went in, from a 40 home run guy, a 45 home run guy, really. To yeah, so from in
1: 2004, he hit 32 home runs and mm-hmm. he had a uh, 166 WRC plus. But um the next year, he hit 20 mm-hmm. and he still had a 145 WRC plus. So. <laughs> He was able to adjust to it. There's just mm-hmm. an issue at the very end of his career. Mm-hmm. His last four years, three of them were below 100 WRC+. plus.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, you know, it, Helton, yeah. to, to me, like, at the end, it was weird to see Helton. First of all, I, I kind of, like, didn't know he was still around, but it was weird to see him... Uh, struggle in the same way that it was weird to see Joe Maurer struggle in when, because Mauer was so dominant, such a good hitter. Um, you know, yep. did, did he win a MVP at catcher? Um, yes. Yeah, he did. Right. So, you know, a guy winning an MVP as a catcher is ridiculous. Um, so to see those guys that, you know, Todd Helton on MVP baseball, 2005 was like a freaking <laughs> monster, you know what I mean? And so that's kind of what I, you know, in that generation where, um, I recognized Helton growing up as one of the best, one of the most dominant, and then to see him at the end kind of tail off but it was ve- was very upsetting for me. But it's not enough to hurt his case for you. you know?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And, I mean, this is the most, like, borderline case I feel like mm-hmm. you can think of because he, I mean, at the end of the day, he was a first baseman. He didn't have some, like, counting numbers at the end of his career that could have, like, pushed him up. But, mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, you're just looking – you're looking at the guy's peak in the first place, and he was still – and, I mean, at his peak, he was one of the most feared hitters in the National League. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And,
1: I mean, him and Larry Walker, honestly,
0: that's that's a crazy duo. Yeah. <laughs> well, 369 home runs in his career, so you're right that towards yeah. the end, you know, he's got seven, 15, 8, fourteen, seven, fifteen um after two thousand seven. Um so yeah, it is weird. From two thousand five to twenty thirteen, uh he he only hit twenty homers once and he was yeah. a perennial thirty to forty guy um before that. But mm-hmm. yeah, for see this is where our Hall of Fame philosophies kind of differ because I think Helton beside behind probably Bonds, Clemens rolling i would put helton there because of how good of a hitter he was and the fact that he was pretty good he was good defensively at his He's position a very,
1: very good defender very
0: good defender but for you you see it as the peak and then you don't really value defense that much because of his position right so you're not just yeah, gonna take I mean,
1: it's important like if he if he was a bad defender i probably wouldn't put him in but mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he was, like, a very good defender versus a merely, like, decent defender, like, it doesn't do that much for me. The three gloves is, the three gold gloves is cool. Yeah. And the fact that there aren't really that many other first basemen who defended as well as him that aren't in the Hall of Fame,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, according to uh, this site that has pool – or actually, these guys are mostly not in the Hall of Fame, but uh, uh-huh. pool hosts – but, you know, Poole had a strong reputation as a fielder. Keith Hernandez, he's considered mm-hmm. the best uh, first. defender ever. Yeah, at first at base. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Dechera is always considered – John Oler, Those guys were great fielders. Yeah. And the fact that Todd Helton, like, is in, like, that type of class where he's considered a top ten first baseman defender ever – Anthony Rizzo is also in the top 15, by the way. Yeah, and oh.
0: Rizzo, you know, if you're playing, I mean, Rizzo's a better defender than Helton. He's won a couple of platinum gloves. Yeah, uh, he's one of the best defenders in the league. And uh, yeah, Rizzo, if he, Rizzo if, will obviously pass him very soon. Yeah, and if Rizzo keeps up the defensive value and keeps hitting, you know, he'll have a case because of his defensive value. But uh, one question with the Joey Votto to Todd Helton comparison if you give Helton Votto's MVP, is it surefire for you, or is he still you know, kind of uh, wavering? Um, you know, it's a stronger case, obviously, because he has an MVP. But does that kind of launch him into a tier two, or is he still kind of lingering in this? I tier think he's in
1: uh, tier three, then, with like mm-hmm. Roland and Andrew, if he has that one MVP. Yeah, which means like he's a Hall of Famer, and like mm-hmm. I. Like I'm pretty, I would be pretty confident in him in the Hall of Fame, and I would, def, I would certainly like vote for him and tell other people to vote for mm-hmm. him. <laughs> With my tier four, I'm pretty much saying like I voted for this guy. If you don't like, I, I understand it, mm-hmm. and I'm willing to have like a debate about it.
0: See, to me, I you know I hate the Coors thing, so I uh, and I think that what let's be clear here, the fact that Larry's in broke the glass ceiling, so Helton's gonna get in. Um, I, I, th- I think he will because he's on yeah. a great, he's getting great numbers. The numbers were really great for him this year. And I think that now that we have one Coors guy in and he should have been in so long ago, um, the yeah. fact that we have one Coors guy in, will kind of help Helton here. Um, yeah. i sure if Arenado keeps up
1: his career. Yeah, probably get in definitely.
0: Well. Definitely. But for me, I, you know, Helton to me, I always kind of got mad at you because I didn't think Mm -hmm. that there was really anything you could argue here, man. I mean, I, you know, the the defensive value, but I'm glad you came. I'm glad you came around on Helton, man, because I think that mm -hmm. his resume is just fantastic as a hitter. He's one of the best hitters. I'm happy I came to
1: uh, the right side.
0: So let's, let's sum it up eight guys. So I voted for 10. You only voted for eight, not using those full um, 10 votes. So Mm -hmm. actually next year, you would probably use 10 votes because uh, assuming that all these guys would be on your ballot again, and then A-Rod and uh, uh, Poppy are the two guys on, your, on the ballot. So next Poppy year. is going to be a very interesting case. That one's going to be crazy. That one's going to be a crazy Once case. Once we start getting towards that ballot season, um, Poppy will absolutely be discussed on the show. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, you you might have ten guys. It was a bit of a weak ballot this year, you would say, right?
1: Yeah, it definitely was because you didn't have like there wasn't a lot of like clean cases at least. We uh, we are
0: getting into the teeth of this where we might struggle with Hall of Famers the next few years because I don't think a Rod is going to get in first ballot. Uh, you know he's kind of um re you know. Uh, what's the word? He's, his resume, uh, his image in the media has kind of been repaired um, after the steroid stuff, but I don't think it's enough to get him in first ballot. Poppy, you know, it's like, how is Poppy not first ballot?
1: I know his image is like pretty much repaired, but people will look back at his career and be like, okay, well, he had the steroid suspension. He was a DH. And Mm. I guess you can say like his war or whatever, but I don't even, I don't even care about like, I don't care about this for him. I feel like I almost don't even care about the stats. It's it's
0: big poppy, dude. That's the thing, man. It's big poppy. So I'm assuming that you'll have Arad and Poppy on your ballot. So you would have ten guys next year. A little bit of a stronger ballot next year. But we are getting down to the fact that it's it's a strong ballot because there's a lot of really good players, but there's a lot of flawed players. You know what I mean? Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, um, Andrew. There's a lot of flawed players here. So. Um, bit of a week ballot. Mm-hmm. Do you, are are you a guy that you feel you have to vote for 10 every year or no? I
1: don't think so. I feel like you should just vote for the people that like, I don't think the hall of fame should have to like stoop, like lower than your subjective um criteria mm-hmm. just to like take guys. Cause like, like a Tory Hunter, for example. Yeah. He's a very, like he was a very good player. Obviously he was a great defender. He was, very fun player. I really enjoyed watching loved, him. I just, loved Torrey, yeah. Yeah, I loved him too, but he just – to me, like, he wasn't – he has OPS below 800. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. not like a Hall of Fame type of player to me. I,
0: th- I think, you know, like I said earlier, he's in that Hall of Very Good. He did yeah. great on the private ballots this year, which kind of shows you the private the difference in the private – and public yeah. valid discrepancy, and like um,
1: Mark Beuerle or like uh, Andy Pettit, like those type of guys, they're
0: all very good. They were they're great very, pitchers. They were great pitchers. Um, Zero Cy Youngs between the two of them.
1: Yeah, exactly. And Pettit, I mean, obviously he had he did well in the playoffs and whatever, and he accumulated a lot of ward. But I mean, three time All Star, three eight five ERA. I don't yeah. think there's that, like to me, there's yeah. not that much to discuss. And Bobby yeah. Abreu is. I think that's
0: case. a very intriguing case. I would like to get you looking at that one in the next few years because mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't vote for him now. There, are, I, I didn't. Um, there are some names that I think need more attention than him, but he's got a long time left, and he's going to hang around on this ballot. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a super interesting case.
1: I think super that is too because there's definitely the uh, debate on – whether a guy looks like a Hall of Famer. Right. Playing, right. Or you like, or you actually like look at the numbers and you're just like, okay, wow, this dude was just over, this dude yeah. was just underrated for. And,
0: and I- when you, and and um, shout out to my buddy, Daniel Alvarez Montes. He was on uh, the fish stripes pod with me when we did this Hall of Fame breakdown um, before the vote came out recently. And uh, he is Venezuelan. So he loves Bobby. So he, you know, vouched hard for Bobby and he um, sent me this thing where you compare him to uh, Walker, Vlad, some of the guys, uh, not Mm -hmm. quite Bonds, but some of the guys in his generation you put him up against and he compares. So, you know, we definitely agree on a lot. All eight guys that you voted for, I voted for as well, but there are minor discrepancies in terms of, you don't have to vote for ten guys every year.
1: Yeah, that's that's how I feel. I feel like you should just vote for players that you deserve to make the whole, that feel like you deserve to make the Hall of Fame. And if you don't feel like there are ten, you shouldn't have to use all ten of your picks. Obviously mm-hmm. you shouldn't fill in a blank ballot like right. you know, some some douchebags out there, yeah. Scums <laughs> who uh have a ballot over us.
0: You know, it makes me it makes me mad. Give Ethan a vote. Give Alex a vote as well. Yeah, give Reifman, me a vote. Reeveman, you got me into the Hall of Fame, man. You are, what you know, I mean, I wouldn't say you got me in, but certainly you and me, our discussions back and forth about the Hall of Fame yeah. have gotten me into it. Before we wrap up here real quick, any chance Billy Wagner's got four years left, any chance I could get you to vote for him before his final year?
1: I think it's possible because he was very – he was extremely dominant. Uh mm-hmm. I just like he has the his batting average against oh. is the best for a reliever of all time. He's got the most K for nine of all time. And he has the most K for nine of all time. Yeah. He was yeah. dominant. Yeah. You probably could you probably could sell me on Billy mm-hmm. Wagner. Uh well, I think you can do I think you can sell seventy five percent of voters on it? No. Yeah. But uh I think you can sell me on it.
0: Well, I got you on TH, Todd Helton, on the ballot. So let's just go over it one more time uh, before we wrap up here um, and I start giving you a bunch of compliments. Uh, so your ballot, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, Andrew Jones, Scott Rowland, Jeff Kent. I blanked. Gary Sheffield. Gary Sheffield. Thank you. How could I forget the, only Marlin, the only Marlin that has a chance for like 30 years? And yeah, Todd Marlin Helton. Legends. So, <laughs> Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, Jones, Roland, Kent, Sheffield, Helton, Wagner, mm-hmm. Sosa, and Manny are the guys just off it. Reeveman, like I said, man, I wouldn't have wanted anybody else to be the first guest on the pod. You were the perfect first guest. You're welcome. You know, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, you know, sure. if there's, if there's a guy that you, whose case you would really love to come on for an episode, you know, you're always welcome. I'll probably have you on for one of uh, down the line if we need a round table or something. Um, but I appreciate you coming on. And, uh, remember Larry walk you know, we don't have bonds yet. We don't have Clemens yet. You
1: will always have Larry but Waltz, we too. got
0: Larry dude. He's going you know, in. I'll see yeah. you. I'll see if, 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 if we're vaccinated and, and and they, I guess they're not letting people in, damn it. But if they're letting people in, we're going to see I'm Larry going. get I'm in. Going. Man. We're going to drive up to Cooperstown. We're going. We're going. Reeman, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank it. you so
1: much, Ethan. I yeah. really appreciate you having me on. Perfect. Dude, thanks.